Hey there, Cycling Performance Club members and listeners. This is Jason speaking to you, and I just wanted to let you know this is a bonus episode. At the end of our conversation that we were having with Harry Sweeney, we got in a little bit of a tangent. So we thought that might have taken away a little bit from the conversation we were having with him, but it was still good content nonetheless. We ended up getting into a discussion about thermoregulation and how it affects world tour riders potentially. And yeah, so Harry seemed interested. We had fun discussing it. So we decided to offer it up to you guys as a little bit of a bonus episode. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, thanks for your support and listening to the podcast. And um, so in terms of weather that you would compete in that is harsh, uh, cold, hot altitude or environmental conditions, I should say, um, underwater. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just got it. Uh, what do you think you perform best in? Um, I, I think in the heat I perform just as well as normal. And I think also in the cold I perform even better. Uh, compared to the rest. But I think as a whole, my performance doesn't change a whole lot depending on weather conditions. Obviously, that's my perceived performance, not my actual numbers because they're going to change when you're in 45 degrees or in 5 degrees. But for performance, I think it would be relatively consistent. Hmm. And do you train that? Like, have you had to work on that? Or that's something that's come naturally, being good in the cold and in the heat? Uh, It's just something that's come naturally. I... Not the heat was obviously I've always trained in Queensland. You're training in 100% humidity and 35 degrees in summer. Mm-hmm. But I just happen to enjoy the cold and the wet as well. Mm-hmm. So you don't have like a weather condition that just or an environmental condition that throws you off? or No, not really. Yeah. Um, well, so much for that question then. <laughs> <laughs> what did you? do your uh, thesis on actually jason your phd um high intensity intervals in and how they're affected by environmental temperature hence the questions <laughs> i was i was going to ask about that is how do you think uh your body responds to the cold in what parameters does it change acutely or chronically both <laughs> fair enough um you know the if you're going to do cold acclimation, it if you were going to do it like how they would, you know, the environmental physiologists, the guys in academia would probably categorize it. They are, they're going to expect to see whole body core temperature drop, right? So, yeah. and that's not going to happen during exercise, yeah. right? This is why when you do heat acclimation, it's a lot easier to do heat acclimation and exercise because your core temperature is going to increase with the... Um, exercise and yeah. that's going to actually help uh, induce the thermal impulse that you're going to get from the heat and the exercise together. But yeah. you can't necessarily do that in your textbook kind of cold acclimation. Um, but that's not to say that cold won't affect you. And the the unfortunate thing is there's a, a lot of research on heat acclimation and how heat acutely affects even endurance athletes at the high levels, there's a decent amount of information out there. At least you can extrapolate from what's out there. What's out there for cold is much more limited. 
there's just not as much. What did you find though in terms of the parameters of your physiological adaptations to the cold? Like what actually changes? So one of the things that, again, um, and this is where I would plug that awesome podcast that Damien put together when he interviewed me back in January. So I would definitely have you check out that uh, for a little bit more in-depth conversation. Yeah. But some of the stuff that I saw in my in my research, and there's also kind of been a, a side finding in other research, is this idea of even during exercise, there's still adaptations at the skin when it's exposed to cold. But then that gets into that conversation of, well, even at 10 degrees, 13 degrees when you're riding, most people are rugged up, right, to an, to an extent. Yeah. Um, but that cold exposure, um, and this actually gets into conversations and things I've written about because uh, Zwift racing is getting bigger now and everyone's going to be racing in their own separate environment. And so there's this conversation about, well, can you temperature dope? Because if you lower the temperature that you are riding at, theoretically, you'd be able to ride at a higher power. Yeah. Um, but we, in my um, training intervention, the temperature was 13 degrees, so not super cold. But I was seeing some interesting stuff that was coming out with the athletes that were exposed to that temperature during their intervals. So everyone in the hot group and the cold group saw the performance increase from high-intensity interval training. But the cold groups seemed, when we were testing them in a time trial at 22 degrees Celsius, the cool group, the, the, they seem to have a higher RPE, higher heart rate. I want to say that their gross mechanical efficiency almost had a significant decrease. Really? Yeah. So, and it's one of those things, that, you know, I put that out there as just a caveat, but I don't want people to go out and it's 13 degrees out, I'm not going to be able to do my high-intensity interval training. There's, there still needs to be a bit more research done on this. But um, it's it's like anything. It's, it's hopeful be- in the sense for the Australian athletes because that's one of the things is that when the Australians come on the hot summer and go to the cool cool conditions in Europe in, in, this, in the spring – is that kind of there's this anecdote that goes around i think caleb was one of the people that brought it up um in a in an interview one time even and um and it gets into like well can we do anything for them well obviously to, to do that whole body core temperature drop and sit in that for 45 minutes a day and let yourself get chilly and do that <laughs> yeah for like four weeks to get that kind of a adaptation is it's, it, no one's going to do it. And I would never prescribe that. But if we can maybe get some kind of adaptations at the level of the skin that maybe helps kind of economy or efficiency, I'm sorry, efficiency, um, gross mechanical efficiency, well, maybe we can do it. But like I'm even as the guy that so did saying it, Harry's got to go out in shorts and jersey in Nice in winter then. That's the, the key. I guess it's pretty good at still twenty one in summer here, mate. <laughs> I guess my point is 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 there's been a little bit of change in my thinking because I remember I was um I wrote an an article for uh, Training Peaks about cyclocross and c- cyclocross nationals was actually in Wisconsin one year in January. It was insanely cold, yeah. right? And I kind of um I wasn't 
as deep into the environmental physiology world now then as I am now. And I kind of just went through the advanced exercise physiology book and kind of read through the cold section and tried to kind of pull out of there. What I think would happen for say like cyclocross racers coming out from Texas, do they have to worry about it? Right. Cause obviously you'd have to worry about it if you were going into a hot environment, but in the cold, I was just kind of like, wow, there's probably not much to worry about, but now now I've looked into it deeper and there's some evidence out there. If you take athletes who have been exposed to cold regularly, like football players or something like that, there's a, and, um, and then you run them integrated exercise test in the cold, they'll actually have a better economy than the individuals who are just recreationally fit and haven't had that cold exposure. Is that due to thermal efficiency? I don't know what you mean by that. Like, is it like is it your body's regulation of temperature that makes them more their economy greater, or how does it work? Like, what is the actual or actually changing in the person's body? Yeah, that's a good question. So, one of the things that one of the things that was run by me by um, and one of the sports scientists from one of the world tour teams when we were talking about cold acclimation is there's um, so, you know, in your muscle cell, you have mitochondria and that is um, where, you know, a lot of the ATP is produced. Right. And based on the Yeah. So, and I'm, I apologize to the listeners because I've, I've gone through this a little bit, but it was a while ago, but I'm happy to explain it again. Um, And, and basically what happens is in that mitochondria, it's set up like a, a dam. You have a bunch of hydrogen proton or hydrogen ions on one side, and then you have the dam, and then there's holes in that dam, and there's basically molecules that look like turbines. And then as that, and as that hydrogen goes through that turbine, it grabs a ADP and an AT and a phosphate and puts it together and makes an ATP. um, However, your mitochondria can also produce heat and how that, how the, um, how the mitochondria does that is imagine that dam. And then instead of having the turbine, it just has a hole. And then that movement of flow, it's, of protons going through that creates heat, but you can also see what happens. What the problem is, is if, so if you're sitting in front of, if you're at a race and you're cold and you're, and um, you can, and those uncoupling proteins can manifest themselves fairly quickly, right? So you can imagine what's happening with this dam if you're poking more holes in it, right? You're, you're yeah. taking all of this food energy to put the hydrogens on one side of the dam. That's what basically all breaking car- down carbohydrates and, and, um, and fats is doing. You're putting a bunch of these protons on one side of the dam to make that differential and then that gradient pushes through and turns that turbine and creates the atp but now you're poking holes in it right so now your process and ability to create atp at the mitochondria is theoretically decreasing wow what happened yeah so when you're cold and you're not heat acclimate and you're not cold acclimated this is potentially one of the things that happens is and this is why we were talking about cold acclimation potentially for athletes and yeah, it gets into a big conversation there. But as you cold acclimate, you start regulating your temperature more with brown adipose tissue. And so the brown adip- 
adipose tissues ability to kind of up regulate your um and increase your body temperature increases and that means theoretically that you would have less of these uncoupling proteins kind of poking holes in the membrane in the mitochondria right so you would have when the when the hydrogens are coming through you'd have more of the hydrogens coming through that membrane create doing and creating atp yeah and so it's probably a multifactorial thing because but yeah. at the cellular level this might be one of the reasons why we see cold bonk other reasons would probably i could see for sure like with connective tissues as they're going to get colder they're going to get harder to move and they're going to take more um carbohydrates to use also with the enzymes and that type of thing there's going to be this happy spot where the body wants to with with the enzymes there's a happy spot with when they work really well and when they don't work there and it basically it's almost like when you boil um water you can and you put like noodles or something in it you can see how the noodles will move around and they're becoming more active and that's you know, what's happening with the enzymes inside of your cells. Yeah. And then once you get to a point where it's too hot, now it's boiling over and those, and those noodles are breaking down and they're dissolving. And if you think of your proteins and enzymes, enzymes are a type of protein, then you could see like form equals function at that level. Yeah. As soon as you start denaturing things, they're not going to work as effectively. So if you are in this spectrum where there's body temperatures actually getting a little bit too cold, those processes could potentially be sl- slowing down. But these, this is a lot of theory because um, there's not a ton of performance data out there. It's just uh, not nearly as uh, prevalent as the heat stuff. So hopefully that answers your question, probably a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, it is. It's exactly what I was asking. So your cell literally uses, the, the mitochondria uses the energy it has to, to function to heat up your body then? Um, it's... It's kind of the, the yes, kind of yeah. So it's it's that's an oversimplification. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. The way I understood. Yeah. So um, and this is one of the reasons why I came to that camp was in some of the hypotheses we have around Australian riders coming to Europe is um, like what's going on? Why do they feel like crap? And um, and part of it is just one of my hypotheses that I had was I think maybe maybe they're just overdressing but this is also why it's really important to not be shivering in that type of thing before races because your shivering burns through a ton of carbohydrates you're probably not going to shiver as much when you're racing but as soon as you got goosebumps and all that that's very hungry for carbohydrate but thermal stress is always going to be um whether it's hot or cold is always going to be a double-edged sword so so when you get in so when you get into hot stuff you start pumping, increase your heart rate for the amount of effort and, and that's going to decrease performance. So you either are letting the muscle cook because it's getting really hot as you work out yeah. or you start let, turning your body into a radiator where you start pumping more blood out to the skin instead of going to the muscle. Yeah. yeah. And then if you're pumping more blood out to the skin instead of the muscle, then, you know, it's not like it goes to the skin and then to your muscle and then back to the heart. It goes to the yeah. skin and then back to the heart, right? So yeah. so that's one of the hypotheses around why this there's cardiovascular 
I guess the drain on the cardiovascular system is one of the probably the biggest components around fatigue that is yeah. related with heat, but there's other things that also go in are involved. But uh, yeah. that's Harry's free consultation session. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Come on to the podcast. We- Jason does do do these for teams, by the way. <laughs> so you can get you can get Watto to uh bring him to your team and um but that's that's all I have at, and um but yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Have you got any other questions for us, Harry? I think that's everything. I just real real was really interested in how your body adapts to the cold as opposed to the heat because I'd never really thought about it before. Yeah, it's the beauty of the eternal summer as an Australian. You just don't have to don't have to worry about it. Just try and forget about it. There's actually quite a bit of research around like military personnel, and I'd have to dive into that a little bit because I've read some of the abstracts, and I know that's probably where a lot of the stuff that I'd have to go to. You know, looking at special forces people, if you have um, uh, the SAS or the um, SEAL teams that are going from diving in water's cool right so they're gonna yeah have to be in cold water but then they also have to be heat acclimated when they go into afghanistan or depending or in places in the middle east or africa or something like that kind of, a lot of times they'll have to be heat acclimated so they can perform well in those situations so some of the research around thermal regulation and acclimation that we have is from the military research looking at well, if they're diving in this cold weather, is it affecting the heat acclimation that we've already done with them? So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. Anyways, that's that's my spiel about environmental temperature. 